everyone it's ufc 261 and we are all about sports the podcast i'm your host mazhar and i have our ufc expert the one the only ronit pitale now we'll just dive into it straight away ron ben askren has moved on quite clearly from the ufc to fighting podcasters and comedians and let's not go there but let's talk serious now we have two major major title fights in fact three so to speak again after 259 where we saw let's say that was your first wrong prediction that you made in mm. the UFC when Israel was beaten by Jan Blahovich but now we will be discussing Kamaru Usman versus Jorge Masvidal that is going to be the main event with in the welterweight category we also will have the women's strawweight championship between Zhang Weili and Rose Namajunas followed by Valentina Shevchenko the bullets back so we'll have that in the women's flyweight championship against another fierce fighter in Jessica Andrade then we will also cover the middleweight category where we'll see Uriya Hall facing off against the veteran Chris Weidman and we have the final fight in the main card as well which is going to be Anthony Smith versus Jimmy Crute so ron the usual drill we'll start off with the main event followed by all the other fights so kamaru usman the nigerian nightmare against gamebred who we, who is probably the highlight reel after conor mcgregor right when it comes to the ufc do you think the nigerian nightmare will give masvidal sleepless nights get into it ron sure uh, okay so let me begin by talking a little bit about kamaru okay uh, a lot of people i think prior to the colby fight and prior to the gilbert burns fight people weren't really giving that man the respect he commands or the respect he actually deserves and that's something he looked into the camera and he shouted when he finished gilbert burns he said you better put some respect on my name and oh god should we all now start putting some respect on that man's name uh he's contrary to what people can actually see of him he's an extremely cerebral fighter i mean uh masvidal has been trying to rile him up trying to get under his skin trying to say things like oh i gave you a broken nose in the first fight i was only on a six day camp um you know i stepped in last minute and you got nothing on me and this time i'm coming for you and he's tried to make it really emotional kamaru will not take that bait okay uh if anything we learned about uh, him from the colby covington fight is that this man does not fight emotional he fights very smart he's going to go there he's going to use a game plan he's going to stick to that game plan and uh, if you ask me this time his game plan is not going to be materially different from last time he's going to try and wrestle or he must be that get get no mistake about it he's not going to go there hopefully i mean unless uh, the, the world turns upside down he's not going to go in there and get into like a slug fest or like a rock and sock and robots with the masvidal uh he's going to go there he's going to fight a cerebral fight keep the distance go for the takedown try and overwhelm masvidal 
and get the finish. That's going to be his strategy. Jorge, on the other hand, is going to come in with that um, takedown defense, hopefully for him, uh, with a longer camp, with supposedly better cardio. Going to try and keep it standing and uh, try and finish the Nigerian nightmare. So, Ron, I think you've put that perfectly because let's just have a look at the tail of the tape. Usman has only lost one fight so far. We all know that. He's 18 and 1. Uh, Masvidal is coming in with more of BMF experience than UFC experience. 35-14. So, he, he's been there, done that in terms of at least when it comes to fighting. But he is three years older than Usman as well. Usman is 33, still has a lot left in him, quite clearly. He's, he's been unbeaten since 2015. That is no joke. Um, and Masvidal is 36. Again, Usman has a reach advantage. So even if, let's say, Masvidal wants to knock him out, it's going to be difficult because, like you said, Usman is a great fighter when it comes to understanding his opponent and also then sticking to the game plan that he has said. Ron, one major question I had. There will be no submissions in this fight. It's pretty evident that there wouldn't be submissions in this fight. At least from uh, Masvidar's side, I would say. Anyway, Kumaru's takedown stats are incredible. He has 3.22 takedowns every 15 minutes. If this goes to the ground, do you see any hope for Masrida? Uh, that, that's actually a great question, Maj. Uh, just to preface that, uh, I'm just going to say that everyone thinks that because it's his strong suit, Kamaru uh, is going to take this to the ground and he's going to try and pound him out, put the pressure. But make no mistake about it, this man can strike as well. I mean, he throws that jab like a piston. And, you know, he's good. He manages to switch stances. The way he was catching Gilbert Burns in that fight and the, the way he listens to his corner. I mean, he the first round did not go his way, you know, very much. He came out in the second round. He fought behind that jab and he put Gilbert Burns away. This man is powerful. He can punch. So, let's not, uh, you know... Let's not miss uh, normal him by calling him an out-and-out wrestler. This guy is a pure mixed martial artist. Okay. Now, coming to your second question, which is actually a great question. Uh, two things. One, can Jorge Masvidal defend the takedown? Two, in case he gets taken down, can he get up? Now, unfortunately for Jorge, my answer is going to be a resounding no on both these grounds. Kamaru Usman... Uh, regardless of Masvidal's, you know, fantastic um, takedown defense and his, he's not a bad wrestler. You know, let, let's not make any mistake about that. Jorge Masvidal is not a bad wrestler. He can wrestle. He has good wrestling defense. But it's not a wrestling match at the end of the day, right? Usman's going to try and mix it up, going to pressure him against the fence, throw in some strikes, get in some body shots, and then get him to the ground. So there's no stopping the takedown. And once Usman is on top, uh, let, uh, you know, it, it's not going to be any different from the first fight. He may try to get him off in the first couple of rounds if he has the energy. But with time, he's going to get worn out. And if it goes to the ground, uh, Kamaru's keeping him there. I'm sorry. 
So, Ron, I think that fits in perfectly with the odds as well. So, Kumaru is a minus 400 favorite to take this fight and Masvidal's plus 300. Do you see this being in any way a good bet uh, at even plus 300 for Masvidal or do you see no chance in this particular case? Let's not forget of uh, given how the last fight ended and also Usman's incredible showing against Burns in February itself. Right. Uh, I think uh, Kamaru is too cerebral a fighter to even give uh, Masvidal a puncher's chance. You know, I mean, it would be unfair to say that he just has a puncher's chance. He is an amazing mixed martial artist. 50 fights almost. 0.7 fighter, a lot of experience. He spent time in the octagon. But it wouldn't be a bet that I would make. You know, it, it's not enticing enough. I don't see a clear path to victory for Jorge. It's not like you can knock out Usman very easily. He's, you know, he has a chin from hell. He can, he can endure, you know. It's not like you're putting him out with one punch or anything like that. And you're not going to catch him in a flurry and drag him into a brawl. So, I, I wouldn't bet because I don't see a clear path to victory for Jorge Masvidal. So, ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. That's going to end and still. So, let's still. move on. So, let's move on. Hey, are you like us and trying to make your own podcast but aren't really sure where to get started? Well, when we first began, we didn't really know how to get our podcast out there to the hundreds of different podcast platforms. That's where Anchor comes in. Anchor is your one-stop shop for all things podcasting from start to finish. It allows you to record and edit your podcast, and then when you're ready to publish, distributes it to a ton of podcasting platforms, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Once you've posted your episode, Anchor tracks listening across platforms and graphs your performance across countries, age groups, and platforms. That's how we know that 4% of our listeners are in Hong Kong. If you're listening from Hong Kong right now, well, thank you. And Anchor is totally free. To get started, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M to get started. Now back to the pod. To the co-main event. I'm pretty excited about this one. It's the women's straw weight. It's, uh, we are seeing Zhang Weili in action ever since that epic, epic battle against Joanna Jacek, where which was arguably not only the fight of the year last year, uh, probably the fight, the best women's fight we've ever seen. She's going up against Rose Nama Yunus. Now, Ron, you know how much of love we have for Rose Nahayunas in general, given how versatile a fighter she is and the fact that she's still so young. So before I get your insights into this fight, let's just go through the tale of the tape. Like I said, Rose Nahayunas is really young. She's only 28 years old. Whaley is also not too old at 31. Uh, Thug Rose, her record is 10 wins, 4 losses. But all those four losses were, let's not forget, difficult opponents. And she's still learning uh, her way around in the octagon, still figuring out what her real strengths are, per se. And, well, Whaley's record just speaks for itself. 21-1. and one. Uh, 
just the one thing where Rose has a huge advantage in terms of the tail of the tape is her reach, her leg reach especially. So she reaches out at one sixty five point one centimeters compared to Whaley's one sixty. So uh, Ron, firstly, do you think this reach is going to be the difference maker in terms of Rose's uh, the way Rose approaches this game? And given that Rose beat Jessica Andrade last year. and uh, after losing to her in the previous round just shows how much he's learned as well and how quick she is to absorb whatever she experience she gains from the octagon so what where do you how do you see this fight playing out i think you brought up a fantastic point muz when you ask about the reach advantage whether that will be the game changer you know what it might as well be it might as well be because Rose Nama Yunus trains under the tutelage of the great Trevor Whitman, one of the best striking coaches the game has seen. Uh, in a relationship, and also her longtime coach now is Pat H D Barry, fantastic kickboxer himself. And if this comes down to a striking battle, the reach advantage and her fighting behind her distance might as well be something that plays out in her benefit. So let's just try and you know look at what both of these ladies are actually going to bring to the octagon. With both of them, you have two fantastic, well-rounded mixed martial artists. Okay, I feel Whaley's path to victory is not going to be standing and engaging in a pure distance striking battle with Rose because, like you said, she gives up a lot of reach. If Rose decides to fight behind that jab, she has a very nice one-two that jab cross combination. She can come in with the overhand, and let's not forget this woman has gone five rounds and outstruck Joanna Jonjecek. That in itself is a pretty crazy prospect. Knocked her out the first time, came back five full rounds. She managed to outstrike Joanna, which is no child's play. She's outstruck Jessica and Raj as well, and uh, I mean, not 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 to give any importance to MMA math or anything like that. But Wiley has gone five full rounds with Joanna. Rose has gone five full rounds with Joanna, and undoubtedly, Rose looked the better, um, um, you know, across those five rounds. So, if if that were any sort of testament to what the outcome is going to be, uh, and if this goes for a pure striking five round battle, maybe Rose has the edge. Which is interesting, Ron, because. We all know Rose Namajunas is also known for her grappling, and I think her records also prove that. Like you said, there's sometimes people read too much into all of these things because you generally have to prepare for your opponent. You don't only work on your skill sets unless you're Khabib. Uh, so, <laughs> but her she uh, she has finished sixty seven percent of her fights. I'm talking about Rose by grappling. So, I mean. if do you think that rose will look to that tactic or do you think she's going to keep it on in a stand up battle or will this uh, or will grappling let's say be sort of like a last resort for her uh i doubt it very much if you were to ask me uh in my opinion and i might be wrong when you talk about mixed martial arts at the highest level and there are two equally competent well-rounded mixed martial artists that are squaring off against each other unless one of them has a super skill set they're not going to try and pursue that skill set 
Now, what I mean to say is that Rose might be a fantastic grappler, may have excellent submissions. Heck, she's finished fights by a flying armbar. Okay, so you know that the lady has prowess. But on the other hand, Wiley is no joke as a grappler as well. Also, Wiley Zhang physically is going to be much stronger than Rose Namajunas. I mean, I was looking at her uh, after the Jessica and Raj fight. and the way she was like back flipping over the octagon and oh my god her muscles have muscles it's scary to even think of how physically strong this woman might be and imagine outpowering and outmuscling jessica andraj herself is like a little pitbull you know it's crazy so wiley's part to victory might actually be to clinch with rose dirty box try and overwhelm her try and overpower her and on the ground i don't see rose having any significant advantage which will probably you know uh, make her want to take it to the ground so i don't really think she's going to try and make it a grappling contest so ron now the testing question who is going to win this one okay uh this 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 is a really tough one i mean uh, despite what the odds makers say uh if if i were to go purely with my gut i would say that i like rose in this fight i like her i like that she has trevor whitman in her corner i like that she has the experience i like that she has the range i like that she can defend herself on the ground i also like the fact that she's not going to be like one punch knocked out or something like that has a good chin has outstruck jessica and joanna and jejek and fantastic pedigree fantastic credentials i do see a path to victory for her and i have thagros namayunas and new so for all of those people who are listening in rose is the underdog for this fight she's at plus 155 while wiley is at minus 190 so according to ronit it's a good bet and go for it i definitely agree with that rod we've always been big fans of rose and there's no reason why we can't see her uh winning the title once again and uh, actually just taking her game to the next level as well considering that she still has a lot of fight left in her so let's move on to the next fight i mean we've already spoken about this lady so much so let's yeah. just get into it this is the third title fight it's the bullet is back i'm going to say it again valentina shevchenko is here again it's the women's flyweight title fight against the number one contender jessica andraj ron i think you've praised andraj enough we all know she's an all out attacker she's she's just there to strike and uh, absolutely there to just create mayhem before we get into that again i'll just go take everyone through the tail of the tape so the major difference here is again the reach advantage that valentina has coming into the fight she'll be at 168.9 cm as compared to andraj being at 157.5 cm so uh, that's going to that could prove to be quite significant given how versatile valentina is as well and also let's not forget though andraj is only 29 still and she has already fought in 29 mma fights 
she's 21 and 8 and valentina well 19 and 3 and it's been a while since valentina also lost and she only lost the, the one person who everyone loses to right amanda nunes and that too was in the women's bantamweight category not in her preferred weight class so ron let's get into it what's your how do you look at this fight ending up so sure. Um, so we love Valentina. Okay. We love Valentina, the bullet. It's pretty obvious from our past conversations. We're huge fans. Okay. Uh, she can do everything. She can strike. She can grapple. She has submissions. She's immensely powerful physically and has an octagon presence and adaptable comes with a game plan is extremely cerebral and has just run through her previous opponents like a bulldozer. I mean, the bullet has been practically unchallenged at 125. Now, let's compare that to Jessica Andraj. Jessica Andraj, uh, which is a similarity between these two ladies, they both started their career at 135 pounds. That's where they started in the bantamweight division. Valentina came down to 125 and Jessica Andraj went down to 115. So she dropped 20 pounds. She looked fantastic at 115. Valentina dropped 10 pounds, has been the champion ever since. But now, Jessica is back up one notch to 125. Now, the strength that Jessica Andraj has is pretty crazy. I mean, she has also bulldozed most of the ladies at 125, and she's a problem at, uh, sorry, 115, and she's a problem at 125. But let's not forget, Valentina Shevchenko has gone eight rounds with Amanda Nunes competitively and there are people including myself who argue that that fight could have gone Valentina's way so in some sense I believe that she fought two draws with Amanda Nunes if, if you ask me for my opinion and she has the skill set uh, Andraj on the other hand like you mentioned right up the top is going to come with that power is going to try and create mayhem in the octagon has brilliant submissions as well but I mean, it's not like you're going to tap Valentina Shevchenko. It's not going to happen either. So it's going to be a good fight. It's going to be a competitive fight. Uh, I don't think Andraj can try and outmuscle her or, you know, try and use her strength as an advantage because Valentina, while it may not appear at first sight, I mean, she doesn't have that. Um, uh, I mean, while she does look extremely strong, she doesn't, uh, for some reason, uh, that doesn't seem like her most striking attribute. But make no mistake about it, you cannot outmuscle this lady in the octagon. That is not happening. So I feel it's going to be a little tough for Jessica to stand and strike or to get a knockout on Valentina. I see Shevchenko picking her apart from the outside, and uh, it's probably going to be a long night for Andraj. So, Ronit, you're going with the Kyrgyzstani, it is. I have to. I have to. There is. There are no two ways about it. I mean, uh, and like I said previously, MMA maths doesn't account for anything. But Joanna Jacek has beaten Jessica Andraj and Valentina Shevchenko has beaten Joanna Jacek. So if you were to just extrapolate that, which you should not, which I do not believe you should. But hey, I mean, I don't see a part to victory for Jessica Andraj. I'm sorry. This is going with the bullet again. So... Just to put that into perspective, Jessica Andraj is a massive, massive underdog for this one. She's at plus 300, while 
Valentina's at minus 400 as the favorite. So Ronit's going with the favorite for this one, but you can't really blame him. For anyone who's watched Valentina Shevchenko over the last few years, she has been absolutely unstoppable. And especially at the flyweight category, no one can really match up to Valentina. So we're going to have an still in this case as well. So this wraps up the major three title fights of the main card. Now, Ron, let's move on to the last two fights of the main card. Uriah Hall against Chris Weidman. Now, this is pretty much a veteran fight. Would you, I would also say that this is probably a swan song for either of the two. Uh, it's more about whoever wins manages to fight for one, has one more fight maybe, while the other guy will have to probably pack his bags and uh, hang up his boots. Before we get into this, again, the tale of the tape, Hall primetime is 17 wins, 9 losses, while Weidman is, has 14 wins and 5 losses. Both are 36 years of age. So like I said, both veterans have been in the game for really long. But the striking thing for me here, Ron, is do you see any scope for Chris Weidman? I'm going to actually say this now. Do you see any scope for Chris Weidman given his... Uh, well, let's face it, he's not been at his fine, at his best, he was a an incredible fighter. But in the last few fights that we've seen him, fine, he won his last fight against Omer Akhmedov, but before that he lost to Dom Reyes and even Jacare Souza. And let's face it again, Jacare and Reyes were both not at their primes, so to speak. So uh how do you see this fight ending up and do you see Weidman by uh, taking this one by any means? Yeah, that, that's an interesting question, Muzz. Uh, I was going through Weidman's record as well, and he's lost five out of the last seven fights he's had. And he's been knocked out brutally on multiple occasions. I mean, Yoel Romero has knocked him out. Jacare has knocked him out. Dominic Reyes has knocked him out. I mean... Luke Rockhold finished him. I mean, he's not had a very good run in the last seven fights. That being said, one common thing that I found between these five losses was that uh, Chris Weidman trying and standing with someone, purely trying and standing with someone, is not a good idea for him. And I feel like that's something he's learned from. The only time Weidman will get absolutely uh, you know, I, w- I won't use the word outclass, but I say it will be absolutely troubled is when there is somebody who he cannot take down, somebody who is stronger than him, forces him to keep it on the feet and then engages him and then Weidman gets clipped or Weidman gets knocked out. That's what I feel has happened. With Uriah Hall, however, he has a lovely opportunity. He has the opportunity to take him down to use his wrestling to wear him out and to get the submission. Now, his two victories, like you mentioned, one was against Omari Akhmedov, where he purely went back to the basics. He ran a wrestling game. Not a fun win, not an attractive performance. He's not gaining any fans, but back in the win column, right? The other fight, Kelvin Gastelum. Again, Gastelum was a 170-pounder coming up to 185. Weidman is practically a 205 let's be honest right he's practically he's gone up to 205 where he lost to Reyes 
out muscle gastel him wrestled him took him to the ground and got that arm triangle choke on him i distinctly remember that fight because in that fight i said why isn't chris weidman doing this all the time right why is he trying to start striking when he is in fact a fantastic wrestler you know in some way and i don't want to sound like a naysayer but those anderson silva fights may have made him believe that he's a better striker than he actually is because he caught like a trailing anderson silva who is considered to be one of the greatest strikers so maybe it's a game plan problem now that hopefully he has that sorted out he's going to come in going to wrestle uriah hall and he's going to try and you know find that route to victory for hall part to victory is pretty clear keep it standing keep it on the feet avoid the takedown get the knockout you know in uriah hall also we're talking about a man who dana white himself said that i thought this guy was going to be the next breakout star but he just mentally was not there couldn't face the bright lights on the big stage and hey i mean he everyone knows him but what he could have been and what his career has actually turned out to be is quite different from what everyone originally thought speaking about ron i think you hit the nail on the head when you mentioned the grappling aspect for chris weidman because and the stats prove it it's just it's been really puzzling to see him go away from that because 3.76 uh takedown attempts if i'm not wrong for 15 minutes and that's that's incredible stats for anyone so like why why move away from something that you are so good at and you are a pure specialist in especially towards the end of your career it could be a stamina thing maybe but i mean he's he, he, middleweight is such a is such a weight class where unless you're not fighting israel this one yeah you so he can definitely he could have definitely uh, have taken that approach in the other fights and like you said knockout specialist uraya hall so it's going to come down to that so ron who are you going with for this one uh yeah so i i have chris weidman over here i think he manages to out wrestle uraya over three rounds and unless he gets caught with something crazy like joel romero caught him with a flying knee on the takedown uh uraya hall does have that potential but unless there's something freak unless he gets caught um, you know while shooting in for the takedown which i hope he doesn't at this point in time he has the prowess to sort of set up those takedowns with the striking and then go for it uh, i see him out wrestling uriah hall over three rounds so for everyone the odds for chris weidman versus uriah hall are pretty much equals at evens so uh, i as as a betting man i would definitely not recommend betting on this fight just avoid yeah. it altogether but ronit's got chris weidman so if you have that and you believe in uh, whatever ronit shared then definitely go for it now let's move on to the last fight rod this is the light heavyweight category anthony smith is back fighting again and he's going up against jim crude now lionheart as we all know him very famously he comes in with a 34 and 16 win loss record he's that's 50 fights and he's going up against a young and up and coming jimmy crute the australian is extremely talented he's well he's younger than us he's just 25 years old he's just old uh while anthony smith is 32 he's still got a lot of fight uh he beat devin clark he lost to glover teixeira and alex rakic if i'm not mistaken 
before that. But all in all, we all know he's been there, done that. Great to watch him fight. Uh, so, Ron, have you got the American or have you got the Australian? Go for it. Uh, sure. So, I'm a fan of uh, Anthony Smith. There's no doubting that Lionheart brings it every time to the octagon. He he he, he truly lives up to that Lionheart name because I remember in the John Jones fight, he caught that illegal knee. He could have literally been like, no, this fight's over. He could have taken the championship. Uh, not getting into something controversial, but similarly to the way Aljamain Sterling did. So le- let's say he had that option and he didn't take it. So, hey, come on, the guy's got heart. You can't deny that. He comes to fight, he gives it his all in the octagon, and he tries to get the win. Unfortunately for him, what I see happening is, uh, I mean, I know he's got a win in the last one where he managed to go back to his, uh, I mean, he actually got taken down and finished with a triangle, and that's how he got his win, if I'm not wrong. But he is coming up against a black belt in this case. So I don't really see him managing to, you know, have any significant advantage on the ground. Uh, if it stays standing, I do think he's at a slight disadvantage. So uh, as much as I, uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of Anthony Lionheart Smith, I do believe that at 32, he's slightly on his way out, coming up against a 25-year-old black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Extremely talented, has finishes both by submission and by knockout. And I do feel, unfortunately for Anthony Smith, that he does get finished on the feet in this one. So, Ron, you mentioned the significant striking and the grappling. Just to put that into perspective, Crute has 4.36 significant strikes per minute as compared to Lionheart's 2.94. He also absorbs much fewer shots. He's only at 2.31. Let's not forget Lionheart's fought also 50 fights. So, it's 4.38. But the grappling is where, which is quite alarming. 4.33 takedowns per 15 minutes for the Australian Jimmy Crute. And well, the submission average per 15 minutes is 2.41. So if it goes to the ground, I don't even know how Smith's stamina will hold up against a young, dynamic 25-year-old. Yeah, I, I agree with you. So, I mean, you know, you called it out perfectly. Uh, Anthony Smith did have the black belt advantage in the last fight, but he didn't have that advantage against Glover Teixeira, who's also a world-class black belt. And in that fight, what we saw him, I mean, it, it was after a certain point in time not fun to watch because of the way Glover was just taking it to him. And Anthony Smith could not really, you know, he, he's not one to quit, but the ref had to call it earlier, if you're being honest. And his corner could have called it off earlier as well. So, given that he does not have any significant grappling advantage, and Crute is, uh, in my opinion, probably an equally good, if not better, grappler, I, I, I don't see Anthony Smith making it very far. So, you hit the nail on the head. So, do you see, Ron, this being more of a fight for just pushing up Crute because Dana White probably thinks that now it's time that he starts fighting against the bigger guns to probably get him ready for maybe, you never know, an Israel and another Australian Kiwi battle. Do you see it being that sort of a situation, let's say, in maybe not, obviously not this year, but maybe next year? Definitely. I mean, that's absolutely a possibility. 
uh, let's be honest after a particular uh, point in their career a lot of very good fighters end up becoming gatekeepers and there's nothing wrong in being a gatekeeper having a gatekeeper status is huge and if you can get past that gatekeeper that's when you know whether you're truly part of the upper echelon or no and uh, uh, sorry just jog my memory who did anthony smith beat in his last fight uh, he beat clark name. he beat clark devin yeah, clark yeah devin clark right sorry devin clark uh devin clark was put through the test and devin clark could not pass the test so hey you have these really good fighters coming up against gatekeepers and let's be very honest it's not that easy to get through a gatekeeper and what the ufc has done in the past is very similar they've brought up these brought these upcoming uh you know young dynamic talents and they've put them up against what are veterans of the game and hey if you can get past anthony smith that's a huge name on your resume but if you can't and if you can't get through maybe an anthony smith who's off his peak now then you probably don't belong in the upper echelon so like you said this could either be a huge stepping stone or this could be a massive stumbling block so there you have it ronitz called jimmy crute to take the victory and the odds are also in jimmy crute's favor he's a negative 200 favorite as compared to anthony smith who's at plus 160 so it's not too much in it and if you have faith in the veteran then you, by all means go for it so that wraps up the main card ronit thank you so much it's a pleasure to always have you for these events uh, looking forward to ufc 261 it drops on the 24th that's 24th us so 25th in india sunday 7:30 am india time to catch it do not miss it just to get a recap of the results of what ronit has predicted is kamaru usman to still retain his welterweight championship he's gone with rose namayunis to upset the champion in the women's strawweight category and he's obviously gone with valentina the bullet in the women's flyweight category as well and to wrap up the other two fights he's picked chris weidman for the middleweight fight against uraya hall and finally jimmy crute against anthony smith so there you have it thank you for tuning in do not miss ufc 261 it's going to be a slugfest till then take care and see you soon bye bye